Thank you for listening to this audio message from Christ Fellowship Leesville. We exist to make disciples for the glory of Jesus. We pray God uses this message to help you grow in your walk with Christ. To learn more about Christ Fellowship, please visit us online at ChristFellowshipNC.org. Well, if you would take your copy of God's Word and turn to Psalm 27. And as you're turning to Psalm 27, if we have any of our children here this morning that are going to participate in our children's class, we'll dismiss you guys at this time and you can meet your teachers at the back of the the room. So this morning we're going to be continuing our journey through the Psalms and we're going to be looking at Psalm 27. I think this week as we look at this passage you're going to see some similarities to Psalm 13, which Pastor Jonathan shared last week with us. But I'm really excited this morning to be able to share this powerful psalm. So let me read Psalm 27, and then I'm going to pray for us, and we will jump right into this passage. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me, to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek forever, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices and shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry aloud. Be gracious to me and answer me. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Hide not your face from me. Turn not your servant away in anger. O you who have been my help, cast me not off. Forsake me not, O God of my salvation. For my father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Teach me your way, O Lord, and lead me on a level path because of my enemies. Give me not up to the will of my adversaries. For false witnesses have risen against me, and they breathe out violence. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, this morning as we come to your word, Lord, I just pray that you would speak through me. Lord, I pray that it would not be my thoughts or my words that are spoken today, but that it would be you speaking through me, God in directing my thoughts. Lord, I just pray this morning as we look at this passage that those that are here today would be comforted. Lord, that we would find confidence in you, that we would find our peace in you, that we would find our security in you. Lord, I'm thankful that though these words were written thousands of years ago, that they are just as applicable today as they were in the day that David wrote them. 
So Lord, I just pray that You use these words this morning, that You open our hearts, You open our minds, that we receive the goodness and the beauty of, of Your words, and again, that we might find comfort in those. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I think we all would agree that as we look at the world around us today, security is important, probably more important than it's ever been. Whether we're talking about physical security, keeping our families safe, whether we're talking about financial security, protecting our savings, protecting our identity, whether we're talking about the security that we find from good health. You know, we're surrounded today, you know, we see daily on the news where people are killed, people are murdered through senseless violence. We see on the news where homes are invaded. You know, we see and read in the news where there have been financial schemes and crises that have led to people losing their life savings. And then if you think about over the last three years, what we've all faced in the form of a pandemic that, if we're honest, probably none of us could have ever imagined in our lifetimes facing things that happened from that. You know, businesses were closed down that had existed for years and years and years. People lost their jobs because of those businesses being closed down. Because of losing their jobs, people lost their homes. People have lost hope. People have lost everything that they found as security to themselves. The reality is, is that it's been a tough time. And I could go on and on, but I'm sure you're all depressed enough at this moment. So I, I won't dig any deeper into the challenges and the struggles and the things that we face in this life. But the good news is, as depressing as that can be, as disheartening as that can be, I'm sure there are those sitting here today that are facing challenges in their life. You know, it could be health issues. It could be relationship issues. It could be that you've lost your job. There could be a number of things that you're facing this morning that really make you question your confidence, that really question the security that you have or that you can find in this world. But I hope as we take a look at this psalm this morning that, that David wrote, that you are going to be able to find peace, that you will be able to find comfort, that you will be able to find confidence in the Lord. Because in all the things that I just talked about, we have zero control over those things. At times we may feel or think that we have control over them, but all it takes is a moment to come about. All it took was a pandemic to come about that probably made everybody in this country, literally everyone in this world, question their security, question their confidence. But I think it's also correct to say that the reason that we question those things is because we had our confidence in the wrong things. So hopefully this morning as we look at this passage, we're going to be able to see from, from David's writing four specific things that we can do as we look at this passage that can remind us of where we can find our confidence and where we can find our security in the midst of challenges and trials that are going to come our way. So number one, 
we need to remember that our security is in the Lord. It's not in anything else. Our security is found in the Lord. Number two, we need to seek to know the Lord. Number three, we need to pray to the Lord. And then number four, we need to trust and wait for the Lord. So let's take a look at the first point. We need to remember that our security is in the Lord. So last week, as as we started Psalm 13, Jonathan reminded us of David's life. I think it's easy to, to look at David as this superhero in the Bible. And in certain instances, that's true. He did stand up against Goliath when armies refused to go out and, and fight him, and he was able to be successful against Goliath. But I think if we look at David's life, we can see that it was anything but easy and I would think that it played out much differently for David than he would have expected after he he was able to slay Goliath and Saul took him in. At that point, he was a young man, probably on top of the world because of the triumph that he had had. But we do know the rest of the story with David is that very quickly Saul became jealous of David and his triumphs and the way that the Lord was blessing him. So Saul began to try to kill David, which put David on the run, hiding in caves, fearful for his life. If we continue on, you know, to when David became king, Jonathan reminded us last week that his sinful nature led him into adultery with Bathsheba. And then he compounded that sin by having her husband killed so that he could marry her. But David also experienced heartbreak in that the child that was conceived in their adultery was taken away from them. He lost a son. You go along in David's reign and his people abandoned him. His own family, his own son turns against him. Once again, David finds himself in the wilderness, hiding, seeking shelter. So while David certainly had lots of triumphs that we can read about, I think it's really important as we look at this passage, and as Jonathan reminded us last week, David also had a lot of challenges in his life. He had heartbreak in his life. And it's important that we know that as we look at this psalm that David wrote. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. And I want us, as we look at this, if we look at the first two verses says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? As we look at these two verses, I want us to focus on three key words that are found in these verses. The first is light. Throughout the Bible, darkness is symbolic for danger, for death, for Satan, for things that aren't good. Light, on the other hand, is symbolic of goodness, of safety and security. And I think it's interesting that David starts here with just that. The Lord is my light. In other words, as I said, David had faced some difficult times. I'm sure David had found himself in some really, really dark places. But yet, David understands what can dispel that darkness, what can push away that evil the bad things that that were in his life. 
And I think when we find ourselves in those darkest moments, and we find ourselves in dark moments. I know that we find ourselves in dark moments. I know that I've found myself in dark moments where it seems like there is no light. It seems like the sun may not rise tomorrow. But the truth is, we have that same light that David is referring to that can dispel that darkness when we find ourselves in the midst of it. All that we have to do is seek that light. If you find yourself, if you've ever been, you guys know that I, or those that know me well, know that I love to hunt. And when you're out in the woods early in the morning before the sun rises, it can be very, very dark. And I carry a very small flashlight. But it's amazing in the midst of complete darkness what the smallest light can do to that darkness. It can give you security. You know, if I'm walking through the woods and I hear something that doesn't seem normal and I'm fearful, I can turn on that light and all of a sudden what was unknown is known. The darkness is dispelled by that light. And that's what David is, is reminding us of here is that the Lord is our light. He is that light when we find ourselves in the midst of darkness. He goes on and he says that the Lord is His salvation. I think as we sit here today, we all understand the meaning of salvation from a Christian perspective. But from a basic meaning of salvation, it basically means that God is our rescuer. That He comes to our rescue. When we find ourselves in the midst of difficult times, when we find ourselves surrounded by the challenges of the world that we have no control over, the Lord is our rescuer. Now certainly, as we think about salvation, what we have to be thankful of as God's children is that not only is He our rescuer today, but He rescued us from the most hopeless of situations, which was our sin. We were dead in our sin, but through Jesus, He gave us new life. He gave us eternal life. He rescued us from a situation that we were hopeless in. There, there was no remedy for us. You know, in David's day, there, were, there was atonement for sins. But we talked about, I think as we were looking in Hebrew, this happened over and over and over and over again to the point that the temple looked like a slaughterhouse, right? But we don't have to go through that because of the finished work of Jesus on the cross for us that rescued us from this hopeless situation. Here, last week, Jonathan reminded us of Romans 8.32. And I want to go back to, to that passage. And I want to read Romans 8.31 and 32 because I think it really emphasizes and reminds us, number one, of the goodness of God in providing His Son as a righteous and final sacrifice for us. So Romans 8.31 and 8.32 says this, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Think about that for a moment. Jonathan talked about it last week. If a holy God sent His only Son, a perfect Son, to die for my sins, to die for your sins, that we were hopeless in, why would He withhold anything else that we need from us? And that's what this verse is saying to us. He who gave His own Son, and thankfully we can answer that, is He would not. He wouldn't. 
because he's faithful. We can trust him. We can put our faith in him because he is faithful. And then let's go on and look at the final word that I want us to focus on, and that is stronghold. You know, when I hear the the word stronghold, I think of a place of security and protection. And clearly that's what David was thinking of here. The Lord is my stronghold. He is my security. He is my protection. He goes on and talks about all the situations that he faces. If he's facing armies, if he has evildoers that are after him, the Lord is his stronghold. It's where he can find comfort. It's where he can find peace. It's where he can find security. And most of all, just as he did when he stood up against Goliath, it's where he finds his confidence. It's not in David. David didn't find confidence in himself. He found it in the Lord because he knew and understood that he was his stronghold. Think about the most secure place that you can think of. Just in your mind for a moment. I don't know what comes to mind for you, but you always hear people talk about Fort Knox, right? Fort Knox, never been there, never seen it, but I've heard people talk about it. And it would seem to me it's a pretty secure place, right? I know when Lisa and I were on our trip, we went to the Federal Reserve in St. Louis. That was a pretty secure place. It took us a while to get into the place, and it would have been next to impossible to get out of the place with anything that didn't belong to us. So I think of a stronghold. I just think of something that is, can't be penetrated. You can't, if, if the Lord is our stronghold, what David is saying to us is that's how secure we are. Matter of fact, we are more secure than that because someone could find a way to penetrate Fort Knox, I'm pretty certain. Someone could find a way to penetrate the Federal Reserve, but they can't do that with the Lord. And David is reminding us of that's where we can find that security. I want to go back to Romans 8 and look at a passage just a little bit beyond that. So Romans 8, 35 through 39, I think paints a perfect picture of our stronghold in the Lord. And it says this, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. And then an important word, no, N-O, not K-N-O-W, N-O. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. All that I can say to that is, wow. When you think about anything that you could face in this life, a pandemic, a loss of job, a loss of relationship, a loss of your life savings. If you look at the list that, that Paul gave to the church in Rome here, I don't know anything that's outside of that. You know, he talks about things that certainly we're not. I don't think anybody is going to walk in here today with a sword ready to attack us, right? He mentions a sword, but he also talks about there is no powers, there's no height, there's no depth, there's nothing else in creation that will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
I would suggest that you bookmark this passage and that you bookmark it for this reason. Whenever you find yourself in the midst of a difficult circumstance, and this passage tells us that we are going to find ourselves there, right? It says, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Well, we're not being physically killed all the day long, but we as Christians, the Bible tells us over and over again that we are going to face challenges, that there are going to be trials and tribulations in our life, but we can find comfort in the Lord. We can find comfort with Him as our light, with Him as our salvation, and with Him as our stronghold. This passage really reminds us that our God is bigger than any challenge that you'll ever face, no matter what it is. You know, in a lot of people's mind, the worst thing that they can face is death. Well, Jesus has already conquered that for us, right? Physically, one day, if He doesn't choose to come back before that time, we're all going to taste a physical death. But we know for us, death is gain, right? We simply move into His presence and enjoy the eternal life that Jesus, through His life, death, and resurrection has provided to us. What better assurance can you have than that? I don't think there, there is any. If you continue, if we continue looking at verses 1 through 3, another thing that I wanted to point out is David's language here. I think this is really important because you can see this isn't just head knowledge to David. It's personal. What does he say? He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. The Lord is a stronghold of my life. To David, it's personal. Just something very real in his life. And he's reminding himself that this is where he finds his security. This is where he finds his safety. The other thing that I was reading, one of the commentators said, is that in verse 2, the Hebrew in verse 2 can be read in the past tense. When evildoers assailed me, it was they who stumbled and fell. David's speaking from experience here. David's been there. He's done that. He's leaned on and he's trusted in the Lord who can provide him with the safety and security that he's looking for. Yeah, I think it's a perfect place to remind us of one of the reasons that here at Christ Fellowship Leesville, we encourage everyone to be part of a, of a life group. You know, we all have life experiences where God has shown up, and He's shown up in big ways. He showed up in ways that we could have never imagined. I just know personally, as we have an opportunity to do life with our life group, it's a more intimate setting. It's an opportunity to share those life experiences. It's an opportunity to encourage each other of God's goodness, of God's safety, of God's security, of God's provision. But it's also a place where we can bear our hearts. We can share with our life group those challenges that we find ourselves in the midst of. And we can pray together. We can go to the Lord together. We can continue to encourage each other in the midst of life group and in other settings where we have an opportunity to, that God is bigger and stronger and better than any trials, tribulations, or challenges that we're going to face or that we are facing. So I just really encourage each of us to continue to be a part of a life group. We need each other. 
We need to support each other. We need to be reminded of God's goodness and God's provision. And that's a great opportunity to be able to, to do that. I want to share a personal story just quickly. And this goes back 40 plus years ago. So this was, you know, like when I was one year old, since I'm only 41 or two now. But no, seriously, Lisa, Lisa and I were a young married couple. We had our first daughter who was a baby. And I had this fabulous job. I'm just kidding. I had a fabulous job. I was working at a furniture company and I was delivering furniture. I was using the only skill I had and that was my strength, right? I was a big guy. I was strong. I could move furniture. Um, but one Saturday, my boss asked me to do something for him and I did it. And on Monday, I came into work and because of what I had done, I lost my job that quick. So I'm a young man without a lot of skill, willing to work hard, but I had a wife at home, I had a baby at home, and I can remember to this day just how devastated I was. I thought the world was over. I'm like, God, I have, I have a wife at home, I have a child at home, what am I going to do? I, I don't have any skill. I can go look for a job. So I went to the place that probably not a lot of young men would go, but my dad worked just across two streets from where I was at. And I can remember going and sitting in his office and crying my eyes out because I didn't know what I was going to do. I mean, I was in the midst of what I thought was a hopeless situation. And I can remember my dad, who thankfully was a godly man, telling me over and over again, it's going to be okay. God will provide. God will take care of you. Well, that was good to hear from your dad, but I'm thinking, yeah, right. Well, within a couple of weeks, the man that I worked for called me and he knew I was looking for a job. And he said, hey, I, his, he had a girlfriend that worked at a finance company. And he said, they're looking for someone to work there. I have an interview set up for you. You should go. And I'm thinking, moving furniture, working in a finance company. Yeah, that probably will work. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't, wouldn't work. So I get dressed up in my best clothes. I go here. And literally, I had no skill that they were looking for. I had no ability that they would desire. But for some reason, this man who I met with, who was the manager of this finance company, decided that he was going to hire me. Well, I don't know about you, but I can pretty confidently stand here today and say, there was nothing that I said or did or showed him in that interview that would have given him any legitimate reason to hire me into the finance business. But the rest of that story is through God's provision, him taking a hopeless situation with a young man who had no skill, no qualifications, no reason to be hired, was hired into a finance company which started a 40-year career in the financial industry and in banking that provided for me and my family in ways that I could have never imagined. What else can I say? I probably should just close my Bible and stop right here, right? It's going to go downhill from here. But that's the God that we serve. He shows up in hopeless situations. He makes something out of what appears to be nothing. And we can find confidence and we can find comfort in that. Let's look at point number two. 
So while it's important for us to remember our security is in the Lord, it's also important for us to seek to know the Lord. In verses 4 through 6, that's exactly what we see from David. You know, David starts out and he says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. In these verses, I think what we see is this isn't something that David's doing out of ritual. Note what he says at the beginning of verse 4. One thing, one thing have I asked of the Lord. One thing, one thing I ask, one thing I seek. My life comes down to one thing. My priorities come down to one thing. My treasure comes down to one thing. My confidence comes down to one thing. And that is to be in the presence of God and to gaze on His beauty all the days of my life. Wow, what a, what a passage that is. David wants one thing. You know, it made me think, here's David who is a mighty king, a mighty warrior, had lots of triumphs. We've talked about he had lots of challenges, but he asked for one thing. And what's that one thing that he wants? Is to seek the Lord. To seek the person that he said is my light, is my salvation, is my stronghold. There's nothing in his life that he wants more than that. Think about it this morning. If suddenly I were standing up here and I had the power to give you one thing, what would that one thing be? Would it be this? You know, is the Lord so important to you that your one thing would be to be in his presence, to gaze upon his beauty? That's a hard question. Because honestly, I think if we're all here, when we think about one thing, I'm not sure that's what comes at the top of that list. The one thing may be associated with all these other forms of security that we've talked about. It might be money, might be a job, it might be a house. But I'm not sure it would be that. Here's the thing. When we make Jesus the one thing, the treasure, the priority, the confidence of our lives, all the other things in our life don't go away. They're simply put in their proper place. And that's the reality. All the challenges that we face, all the struggles that we face in this life, when the Lord is our one thing, everything else falls in line. Everything else pales in comparison to that. And I think that's what we can see David is saying. So I have a challenge for you. This week, when you feel like your life is threatened by your sin, not physically threatened, not that you're going to die, but when you feel like your life is threatened by your sin, speak confidently to yourself about our Savior. Tell yourself that the Lord's ability to rescue and restore my life is greater than my ability to ruin it. This week, if the stock market plummets and you see your life savings decrease significantly, tell yourself that the Lord's ability to keep me secure is greater than any security money can provide. And just think of any situation that you can face and put the Lord up against that. That's where we need to remind ourselves of the safety and security that we have as God's children. If you continue to look in verse 4, you know, David references the house of the Lord. He also references in his temple. He references a tabernacle. You know, David understood that God was present everywhere. But you have to remember in David's day, I talked about earlier, there was something special about 
the tent, about the temple, about the tabernacle where God's presence was felt. It's where they sacrificed. You know, it's where they went. David knew he wanted to be in the presence of the Lord. I mean, physically, he wanted to be in his presence. And in his day, this is where he found his presence. In the tabernacle or temple, God comes down to be near his people. He wants to be close even to a people who were rebellious, indifferent, and continuously turned away from him. If you remember the Israelites, they continuously over and over and over again were rebellious and turned away from the Lord. But what a beautiful expression of God's pursuing love David paints here. You know, David wanted to be in his presence. God, David was seeking to know his security by meditating on the tabernacle. But we have something better, right? In the new covenant, Jesus is the new and greater tabernacle. So we can seek to know our security by drawing near to Jesus. In Jesus, we can know the Father. God comes down in His Son as a human being because He wants to be close. He came to rescue those who were indifferent, rebellious, and dead in their sin. A perfect and righteous Savior took on flesh, lived a perfect life, and then offered Himself as a perfect and complete sacrifice for our sin and now sits at the right hand of the Father interceding for us. Again, where do we find our safety, our security, and our confidence? The next point that I want us to look at is that we must pray to the Lord. And if you note, beginning in verse 7, this psalm changes. David no longer is speaking about the Lord. He begins speaking to the Lord. So now this is a direct conversation between David and the Lord. And when we find ourselves in the midst of challenges, difficulties, hard times, I understand it can be all-consuming. It's all that we can think about. It's all that we can focus on. David's reminding himself here that God has instructed him to seek his face. You know, the picture I get here, for those that are parents and you've had a child that was frightened, have you, have you ever had to take them by their shoulder or by their face and say, look at me, look at me? And why do we do that? Why, why would we do that? We do that because we don't want their attention on whatever it is that's causing them fear, right? I think that's the point, kind of the picture that you could paint that David is, is painting here for us is he's... He's saying, he's taking us by the face and saying, look at the Lord. You know, David understands that that's where his gaze needs to be. But I think also, if we're realistic, I think David's trying to follow those instructions here, but it's hard because he's distracted by the danger that's all around him. You know, he's described that danger. And right now, you know, where I talked earlier about God being the one thing that he was seeking... I think at this point, David was having a hard time seeking that one thing. He was distracted by everything else that was around him. The danger, the challenges that he was facing. Last week, again, Jonathan in Psalm 13, Jonathan pointed out that David's biggest fear was being abandoned by God. God not hearing him. God not answering him. Matter of fact, he was so fearful and sorrowful that he was at the point he felt like he was going to die. I mean, physically, he felt like he was going to die because he was that 
sorrowful. I think as you look at verses 9 and 10 in this passage, we see the same thing. But this time David is remembering the steadfast love and protection of God. For most of us, the greatest human security that we knew or that we know are our parents. And notice what David says here. For my father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. Again, David understands where his confidence is. David understands where his security can be found. So remember, our security is in the Lord. We need to seek to know the Lord. We need to pray to the Lord. And then finally, we need to trust and wait for the Lord. So if you look at verses 13 and 14, it starts out, it says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. One commentator indicates that the Hebrew at the start of this verse could translate as, here I stand. So in other words, when David says, I believe, I get this picture, you know, as I I looked at this and read this, I get this picture of David standing there and saying, here I stand and I believe. And then he goes on to talk about what it is that he believes. So again, David is turning back to where he's going to find his confidence, where he's going to find his strength. David knows that God's mercy, grace, and goodness secures his eternity. But here David's talking about God's security and blessing on this side of glory. Look back at at that. It says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So what does David mean by that? What David means by that is, He knows eternally he's secure, but he believes he's going to see this in this life. He believes he's going to experience this in the dangers, in the challenges, in the turmoil that he faces as king or in any situation that he faces. David believes that's what's going to happen. You know, as Christians, we know that our eternal future is secure, but I think this passage reminds us that God also shows up in this life, right? that we are going to see and we are going to experience His goodness in this life, when we need Him in this life. When we die, we know that we're going to be secure. We know that eternally we're going to be with Him, worshiping Him, praising Him. But this is a reminder that in this life, He's going to also be there. You know, David's message in verse 14 is really clear. We need to wait for the Lord. But this wait that he describes is is not a passive posture. We need to actively wait for the Lord. I have to tell you, I stand here this morning already having been beaten up by this passage. I stand before you guilty. I am not a very patient person. And Lisa, you don't need to amen that. I'm not a very patient person when it comes to traffic. I'm not a very patient person when it comes to playing golf. I'm not a very patient person when I'm in a restaurant waiting for service. I'm just not a very patient person. Yet what David's saying here is we need to wait for the Lord. I know that can be tough because I'm not that patient person. You know, my entire career at the bank, I was called on to fix things. Here's a problem. Here's a branch that's not running correctly. Here's this problem. We need you to fix it. And that's what I am accustomed to doing. But I can tell you this. God has shown me over and over and over 
particularly in recent years, that that's just not possible. I can't fix everything. I can't fix a lot of things. Some days I think I can't fix anything, but I do know the person that can fix it. And I don't know why it is that in my life, when I face a challenge that is difficult, that I just can't seem to figure out, I go through all the steps of trying to fix it, of trying to find a solution, of trying to find an answer. And when I'm unsuccessful, then you know what I do? I go to God. Why is it that it's that way? I know I serve a Savior who is bigger than any problem, can overcome any challenge. I've already told you a story of what He did in my life from something that appeared to be nothing, turning it into a long career that I would have never chosen and wasn't qualified for. It's just amazing that the one person that has all the answers is most often our final option. It's the last place that we turn. And you see that over and over and over again. You know, I pray from the encouragement of this message today that that will become the first place that we look. That that will become the place that we find rest, that we find peace, that we find comfort, that we find joy, even in the midst of the most hopeless situations that we can find ourselves in. This week, I was, as I was doing my daily Bible reading, I was in Isaiah, and I was at a passage that contains my favorite verse, Isaiah 40, 31. But I thought this really, I just had to share this verse after reading it this week. And, and you know, it's not by chance that, that I was there. But Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says this, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the Creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young, man, young men shall, never, shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They should run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That's another passage that you ought to bookmark. When you find yourself in a bad place, what encouragement will that offer to us? So this morning, you know, if, you, if you're here, if you're struggling with worry, with anxiety, with fear, with lack of confidence, I hope that you can remember Psalm 27 and these four things that it teaches us. Remember our security is in the Lord. We need to seek to know the Lord. We need to pray to the Lord. And then we need to trust and wait for the Lord. It is in the Lord that we find our security and our confidence as we walk through this broken world and the challenges that come our way. The other invitation this morning is, if you're here this morning and you don't know Him as your personal Lord and Savior, everything that I've spoken about is just foreign to you. You don't get it. You don't understand it. You can't understand it until you know Him, until you trust Him, until you put your faith and your confidence in Him. It's impossible to know and understand what it is that this passage talks about. But I really invite you to open up your heart this morning and trust Him. Because when you do, you'll find confidence like you've never had. You'll find strength like you've never experienced. And you'll find love like you've never known. I want to read, Stephen and Lisa are going to be coming to 
lead us in a, a closing song. And I love the words to, to this song that they're going to lead us in. The, the title of it is The Battle Belongs. We've sang it before, but I just wanted to read the words because they align so well with this passage. Here's what the words say. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see the beauty. Thank you, God. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadow. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Let's pray. Father, this morning, so thankful for your word that encourages us, Lord, that we can find confidence in, that we can find strength in, that we can find peace in. Lord, I thank you for sending your son to live a perfect life, to die a cruel death, but to be raised again to defeat the grave and the power of death, that we might have eternal life in you. Lord, you're so good to us. I just pray this morning that we're reminded that you should be the one thing in our life that we seek that puts all other things in their proper place. And Lord, I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.